0: Hello hello and welcome to Millennial Notebook. My name is Stella and my name is Emily and here we talk about living life as a millennial in the modern age.
1: Get comfy, grab your notebook and let's enjoy the ride together.
0: Hello everyone and today we will be talking about something very fun. (laughs) Is it fun? Is it fun? Uh, No. (laughs) No. (laughs) What we're talking about, I think, is a very interesting topic. And uh, we will find out much later how much of us are actually going through it. And we are talking about imposter syndrome and how to overcome it, hopefully. (laughs) Fingers crossed. So, yeah. So, usually, um, the trigger for me for this one is when... You know, people say fake it till you make it, right? Mm. But you'd find that at some point it it doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> hmm. And you're just there paralyzed by your fears. And actually I have some fun facts for you. Um yeah. According to prnewswire.com um A new study concludes that 65% of professionals today actually suffer from imposter syndrome. So that's more than half of working professionals. And of those, young people are disproportionately affected. Hmm. Sorry, young women Hmm. especially. Interesting. And um, according to KPMG's Advancing the Future of Women in Business Summit report, Imposter syndrome is actually one of the least talked about, talked about yet most prevalent issues facing professionals today. And um, I do know about this because uh, it is a common thing that my friends and I often talk about. That uh, women tend to uh, feel like they're underqualified and men tend to feel like they're overqualified and therefore it kind of causes a lot of discrepancies in um, roles where women uh, were found in a study to be um, overqualified for a specific role because they feel underqualified. Hmm. Um, and a lot of men, since they feel Uh, I mean, this isn't for everyone, right? Of course. But the study is that the tendency is for women to kind of um, feel like they're underqualified where they necessarily aren't. And we see in the study that it is uh, perhaps a symptom of imposter syndrome. And okay, so you may be wondering, uh, what are the signs that... Uh, could point that you may be suffering from imposter syndrome and we have a few from hubspot and don't worry guys i'm gonna link all of the sources in our show notes Uh, but yeah for purposes of our discussion so here are the signs um number one you feel like you got lucky when you actually prepared well and worked hard for it um i get this a lot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like this is just, you know, I mean, we're, we'll get to that later. But it's just, I suppose we need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves, right? Mm. And then the second one, you find it hard to accept praise. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I just feel Three? like that in general, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean. I if it's a <laughs> woman it- thing as well. Oh, man, I feel like it is. It is to some degree, Mm. right? I feel like it is for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. The third one, you apologize for yourself when you you didn't actually do something wrong. Mm. Um, next one would be, you hold yourself to incredibly, sometimes impossibly high standards. Yes. Then, another one would be, you find the fear of failure paralyzing. Um... And you also avoid expressing confidence because you think people will see it as overcompensating or obnoxious. And then finally, you're convinced you're not enough. Do you know what's really
1: interesting about all of those? Yeah. There is quite a parallel to uh, a lot of mental health conditions there. Um, anxiety um, disorders, yeah. depression, um, ADHD actually has a lot of these in common, Um Probably yeah. more so imposter syndrome is quite common for people who have ADHD because of um, things that we might talk about in a minute. But um, yeah, really interesting. It's, uh, yeah. So it's it's quite linked to, um, it's definitely linked a lot to your sense of self. It's very linked to perception of self. It's very linked to yeah. like um, how you compare yourself as well to peers and, colleagues or where you think you should be in life a lot of those sorts of things so um yeah yeah I'm not surprised that a lot of people feel
0: these things yeah and I completely agree like um a lot of the things that led me to um my anxiety and high functioning depression is you know just having too high standards mm. and not being kind to myself yeah and just you know the perfection of, Perfectionism as well is, you know, it causes um, you to fear failure. Yeah, because anything that is less than perfect feels like a failure, right? Yeah. And it makes sense. Mm. So, I wonder which caused what, though, right? Like, does mm. like it could like it could be like it's a question of the chicken and egg, right? Like mm, a little bit, yeah. What do you think?
1: Um, I mean, there's a lot of uh, like. Causation, causality, whatever they the two words. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> but there's a lot of that of like um so from from me in particular my circumstance, the reason I um I went to go to therapy was before quite a bit of depression and anxiety. And it wasn't until I kinda of looked into ADHD and got my head around that that um I would say that my um Because it seems to be quite cyclical with my mental health that I get into an anxious state and then because of that anxious state I get really depressed because my brain is like anxious all the time and my mood's going down and obviously that takes away my confidence and all these sorts of things and it starts to put me into a downward slope. So I would say that the the anxiety causes the depression but when I kind of looked more into ADHD I realized that my ADHD is what caused my anxiety. So... That is my understanding of how my brain works, but... Right. Yeah, so I would say that because of my... To put it simply and to relate it to everyone else, it's kind of like the things that I was failing at were making me anxious. The things that I wasn't... Um, that feeling of being an imposter was making me anxious. Like, not living up to my expectations was making me anxious. My perfectionism was making mm. me anxious. All of these things were making me anxious. And yeah. that compounding anxiety basically spiraled into a bad mood which right a very bad
0: mood <laughs> essentially yeah and i think yeah i for me perhaps um i think it's the oh my cat is talking to me my cat wants to join the podcast oh, they're cute really <laughs> yeah he's trying to lift you he's... up he's like this is sad
1: topic let's let's make you happy <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, maybe. Like, actually, <laughs> Emily was proposing that we have an episode about uh, pets as pr- proponents of therapy. And mental I thought you were about wellness. to say pets as
1: therapists. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would love to have my cats with my therapist. That'd be great.
0: <laughs> that would be funny. Actually, you should make a cartoon out of that, okay, like a comic. <laughs> that would be cute. Tell us if you're interested in um, subscribing to our. Uh, only fans where we release only <laughs> comics of us of our pets acting as therapists Rust. for you <laughs> okay <laughs> sounds <Yeah>. good <laughs> that could work <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean sorry so back to the topic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um okay. i feel like for me um <coughs> my my mindset of like you know for example just finding hard to accept praise and not acknowledging um what i actually prepared worked uh, prepared well for and worked hard for and just like attributing all of these to luck has definitely brought me to having imposter syndrome mm. yeah and yeah so i mean i suppose it's different for everyone and it could be very well a chicken and egg kind of thing, yeah. but yeah, personally for me, that's what uh, ended up um, bringing up this whole situation. Mm. And when I spoke with my therapist about it, um, she said that to be able to fix the or overcome the imposter syndrome, we must uh, treat the root cause. And for me, it was just getting over my perfectionism. Mm. Um, But it's a bunch of things, right? Like, for example, I remember when, um, Emily, you and I were discussing about this, that it is, um, there is a specific thing that it relates to with ADHD. Is that correct? Can you tell me more about that? Yeah.
1: So, so imposter syndrome is quite similar to uh, a term called masking. And if you've never heard of masking, it's, um, it's, I'd say it's quite a common concept in like a neurodivergent setting. So that's things like autism, ADHD, anything in which you kinda have more of a um you I don't want to say this is a bad thing, but like perhaps you have less normal habits and traits. So for example, I'm quite quirky in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, which I don't like to, you know, show to people. Um so like So masking is, uh, you can kind of think of masking as like keeping your guard up or like holding back on your true nature. Um, And it's a thing that probably most people do. Like, I think everyone does it to some extent. So um, especially in like new environments or when you're around different people or people perhaps you don't know, we always tend to put on a brave face or, you know, the whole idea of fake it till you make it. Like you pretend to be the person that everyone expects you to be or wants you to be. Um, So everyone has a a mask of sorts, right? But um, I guess the difference between, um, I guess, just a neurotypical person in a new environment versus someone who's masking is perhaps it happens in the workplace, it happens um, on a day-to-day basis, perhaps it happens around certain family members, perhaps it happens around a new boyfriend. And it can be actually quite physically and mentally draining and sometimes quite painful um, and uses up a lot of mental strength. So this could be things like, um, you know, if I was masking some of my ADHD symptoms, um, it could be things like, um, you know, look like you're listening or look like you're being attentive or don't say the right thing, uh, don't say the wrong thing or don't interrupt the conversation or um, because often this is a common thing for uh, for us adhd is the way that we liken ourselves to a situation is we talk about ourselves a lot, (laughs) which is probably why this podcast is great for me. (laughs) But, like, in order to relate to someone, we kind of find the commonality and, like, oh, I've experienced something similar and I talk about myself because that's how I, you know. But obviously that can be Mm -hmm. quite rude or seen as quite rude. and um, So holding those sorts of things back can be quite difficult. It takes up a lot of mental energy to be, like, okay you don't need to interject here you don't need to add your two cents no one needs to hear it. Mm. so it's things like that and it sometimes can be quite a physical thing as well like um if you've got like more of a hyperactive uh tendency maybe you tap your pen a lot or maybe you tap your leg a lot which can be really annoying for people around you um perhaps you do things like stimming which is like a a repetitive activity that kind of like keeps you engaged so for me things like listening to music or singing are really good um Obviously, you don't want someone singing in the workplace. So that's kind of somewhere that I hold back. That's why I like working from home. So it's things like that that, um, I guess, masking on a very surface level. But, um, you know, it could be something that you're very unaware of. It could be something that you're fully aware of. Um, Mm. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. But um, I guess in a way that it, it relates to imposter syndrome is, I guess, imposter syndrome is like the feelings of not being adequate. Um, whereas masking is kind of like physically holding back on being yourself in a way and that can lead mm. to that feeling of like I don't feel like I'm 100% myself in this environment like you know I put on a suit every day and I go to work and I I do all these corporate things or whatever it is but in reality, I just want to wear my comfy clothes or I want to wear cute things, and I just I don't feel like my true self, like I'm hiding a part of myself, you know? Um, yeah. I feel like I'm bottling up all those things that make me who I am. So they're very, they're yeah. very similar in a way, but um, masking can get quite deep in terms of, like, you know, there can be things that you do you didn't realize that you were doing. Um, they mm-hmm. were causing you so much anguish, whereas if we can unpack that and get rid of those layers, then you can start to feel more yourself. So quite similar, but, um, yeah, I just thought it's, it's people who have neurodivergent brains tend to suffer Mm -hmm. from imposter syndrome quite a lot because of,
0: yeah, many things. Right. Um, would you say that because of this, um, because, because of all of these things, um, the the imposter syndrome gets aggravated when your mental health gets um aggravated
1: oh yeah for sure like um so personally for me when I'm in the workplace if I'm if I am not 100% mentally like I'm just maybe yeah. a bit away or I'm I've got something in my brain or I'm just not feeling 100% myself or I'm just feeling a bit of a low mood and things like that The things that I'm normally really good at, things that I know that I'm inherently good at, I'm really good at creative things, I'm good at designing, all of these things, Um, my mood can really play havoc with that. For example, if my brain's going 100 miles an hour and it's like like, ticker going crazy, um, obviously I can't do my job and so I'm starting to fail at the things that I'm good at and that can really start to wreak havoc on obviously my... Um, work performance and things like that then I start to have to mm-hmm. work overtime to try and compensate for that or um, I end up doing more hours on a project than perhaps is necessary or it goes over budget, those sorts of things and it can merely like, yeah just it takes a, a toll on it's like having bad mental health makes it worse and then you have worse mental health because <laughs>
0: you're doing poorly so, right. yeah Right. not good mm, interesting um I feel like, so, I see this quite often in the work setup, but do mm. you think it would be, uh, do we see imposter syndrome in personal relationships as well? Have you ever experienced this? Um, yeah,
1: I mean, it it, it depends how you look at imposter syndrome, but I guess if you looked at imposter mm-hmm. syndrome, is like an adi- inadequacy and in, um or
0: feeling inadequate in yourself um yeah but then i i picking up on that idea yeah i think it's just if you feel like you're not enough and for example let's say you're part of a very high achieving friend group right yeah perhaps um, actually you're right yeah don't fit in this group because you don't feel as qualified as the rest of them because yeah. Some people do make friends and acquaintances and networks, right? Outside of, say, your best friend group, right? Mm. And so these people are not aware of um, maybe the the quirkier side of you yeah. or y- what you would see as your true self. Yeah. And so some people tend to hide that and have fears of like, oh my God, they're going to find out that I'm not as high achieving as them or, or stuff like that. I... I mean, personally, I've been doing a lot of um, kind of work in my personal relationships so that the people that I surround myself with are aligned with my values and who I am and I can just be myself. And that was part of my therapy journey. But I did experience this in university when Mm. I... Not that I didn't feel like I was qualified as my peers, but just... Being a certain person that I perceived was what they wanted me to be. Right. To be um, not popular per se, but just really well-liked. Yeah. People-pleasing. And, yeah, yeah. And um, I feel like it just, it led to a lot of stress because, yeah. you know, so you, you can't be the perfect student all the time, right? So, or the perfect person all the time and so um yeah like sometimes people do hide these things just to fit in with other people yeah. and i find that a very like a very interesting concept and never saw it as imposter syndrome but it does definitely happen especially has the when same, you don't feel like you're aligned
1: yeah it has the same sort of feeling i mean I think imposter syndrome is quite uh, linked to work because in work there's a lot of goals, there's a lot of achievements, there's a lot of. Um, mm, that makes sense. There's a lot of feedback in terms of how well you're doing. So I guess it would mm. show up again in schooling as well. So for example, if you're um, if you're getting really high grades, but um, I mean, I can see a situation where if you' you're in high school, you're getting really good grades. Perhaps you are on the spectrum of neurodivergence. You're not the same as your peers. Mm-hmm. You get put in all these classes with these like popular smart people, but you yeah. just feel like a fish out of water. That was me in high school for some of my classes. I definitely felt like that where I wasn't popular. I was quirky and weird, but I was quite a high achiever because I'm an intelligent human. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> Luckily for <yes>. me. Um, <laughs> in some curriculum, I suck at math. No, I was C-band for math. Um, but yeah, that was definitely me where I just didn't fit in. And I think to some extent there was a period where it swapped, where I, I, I don't know if I ever dumbed myself down or if it was just the things that I was inadequate at, mm. like p- pulled everything down. I don't know. Or if executive function issues brought everything down. I don't know. But yeah, there, there was yeah. definitely times of, like, imposter syndrome of, like, these people are really smart, and these people are really popular and cool, and I am weird and quirky, and I like watching anime. Why am I in this class? Yeah. <laughs> or why am I with these people? But, um, yeah, I don't think I ever really hid my... I think there was definitely pockets of people that I could get along with that I never really hid who I truly was. But there was a period of time, especially when I was much younger, where I, um, <clears throat> where I... I was trying to fit in with the cool kids and I was a popular kid but like they re- they weren't really my friends and <laughs> those friendships didn't last. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I empathize with that. Like it's the same for me. It's one of the reasons why I I don't know if I mentioned it in the podcast, but I used to see myself as a closet nerd or closet geek. Yeah. And that's why it's not like not a lot of people know that I I mean, up until recently, not a lot of people knew that I was an avid gamer. Right. Until I got into this job where it was my life and suddenly they were like, oh, I didn't know you play games (laughs) or um, a lot of people still don't know that I used to be very into anime when I was a kid because I was so afraid of not being perceived as that uh image that I was trying to show my peer group because um I don't know how it was for you uh during your school uh like like during uni or high school for you but for me like the kids who liked anime were kind of considered weird and so (laughs) I didn't want to be exiled into that and so i was closeted for the longest time yeah and even when i went to japan on exchange i like i was very adamant about telling people oh no no that's not why i'm going there i like the food because Japanese food was cool. Um, and So I was just like, I like the food. I think it's interesting. I'm going to go. But they were like, Why? well, do you like anime? I'm just like, oh, not really. And then I'm just like, oh my god. I'm dis- I'm a disgrace to my people. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. No, honestly, I think it's
1: it's a real shift now. I think anime is a lot more mainstream than it used to be. Especially yeah, um, sure. and with my, uh, my stepbrother and sister who are about six seven years younger than I am um them going through high school like anime was like watched by probably like 30% openly Mm. by everyone because it was so accessible but when I was at high school it was like it was like these little pockets of people like have you watched anime do you know what anime even is (laughs) like it was it was like the easiest way to get yeah like you said exiled Basically, out of the popular yeah. or any mainstream. <laughs> yeah. But it's um, I it, it's it's yeah. Weirdly enough, it's a little bit more mainstream now. Um,
0: Even K pop, uh, sorry, K dramas. Yeah. Like back then, like J dramas, K dramas. Yeah were also seen as a geeky thing. Yeah. And then now it's such a popular thing, right? I think like accessi- Almost every single person is yeah. watching K-dramas. And I think accessibility
1: is the big reason why it's become mm. quite popular is because, well, you know, it's on Netflix. Like, you can watch anime on Netflix and everyone can watch anime yeah. on Netflix. That makes so much Whereas sense. Whereas us, yeah. uh, back in the uh, early 2000s, the deep, when we had to download you to, like, everything... <laughs> you torrent them. Yeah, you have to torrent it all. Oh so, God. um... Like you put yeah. in a lot of effort to to watch anime, and there was only so many yeah. too. Like, um, only the popular stuff was um, was subbed and then yeah. shipped over
0: to. True. Yeah, and even like for example the the shops that i was able to get my cds from and dvds from wow remember the time when we used those things but like <laughs> yeah. um i remember that they'd be in the darkest alley of the mall and <laughs> they would always be like you know they wouldn't really look very cool they're they look sketchy most of the time like and it makes sense right that the popularization of these shows and culture Mm. pop culture or anime culture um has definitely helped ease some of the kind of negative images that were once associated with them but anyway this is a different conversation yeah i don't know how we got down here anyways (laughs) we we went down the rabbit hole of uh anime and being closeted look it's it's, it has
1: lots to do with
0: imposter syndrome trust me (laughs) just because yeah just because you feel like do i even fit in here like what like why do i deserve to be in this group i mean overall Mm. uh i found out i mean i I didn't experience imposter syndrome so much because I knew a big part of me was still al- in alignment with the people I was hanging out with. Yeah. But I did feel that in terms of like that aspect of myself which I hid for majority of my school uh school life. Um but for work I feel like so as I've mentioned I'm going to be starting a new role soon. Um and it's a step up from my current role where I am going to be the chief marketing officer for uh, this new role. And there are so many expectations that come with that. No one will be above me for marketing anymore. And therefore, it's going to be um, a role that I will be fully responsible for, whether it's it would be good or bad. Mm. And um, with that, like I'm... There's that feeling of like, am I good enough for this role? Can I even... um, Will they hate me after seeing my performance for the first few months and then finding out that I'm not as good as they thought I was during the interview? And all of these uh, negative thoughts about myself that, you know, I don't... So my therapist says that they are not necessarily true and i should keep challenging them whenever i think about them Hmm. because it's your inner critic working in these moments right because you got there for a reason give them a little bit of credit right your interviewers that they'd be smart enough to be able to to know whether or not you'd be a good fit regardless of what you say because um spots of you know, inexperience will show in your interview. And if they think that you are the best person for the job, then just trust that and just go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I have a bunch more tips, a bunch of other tips here that I'm applying for myself now that I am preparing for my new role. But do you have um, some under your belt there, Emily, for overcoming imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome. So, um,
1: I was telling Stella about this thing called an ant, an automatic negative thought. And in my mind, like I said earlier, like imposter syndrome is that feeling of being inadequate. So like, like you say, like you feel like you're not going to be good at this job or you're worried that people are going to perceive or like worried that this perception that they have of you is, you know, you're not going to live up to the expectation. So there's a lot of thoughts going on here and, um it all comes from inside the brain so it's quite closely linked to an automatic negative thought so essentially your thought is that i am not um adequate for this position Mm. or i'm not up to par for this position which is your opinion and your thought so and i would i wouldn't say it's necessarily an automatic negative thought but it's a negative thought that you're having so Mm. it's really good to um to work through it and a negative thought by going through, through a, uh, like a mindfulness practice. Um, mm. So like looking at this thought logically, so you kind of separate yourself from the thought and go, okay, is it true? Is this thought true? Do I have any evidence mm. to say that this is true? Which currently you do not because <laughs> you haven't even done the role yet, so. That is true. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe not true. Um, um, is this thought helpful? So does it serve me in any way? Does it help me? In any way, does it help me to think that I am not going to be good? No, it doesn't. It's just going to bring you mood down. So that's not mm. helpful at all. <laughs> um, is there any other explanation or another way of looking at things? Mm. I don't know. Is there? In your situation? Can you look um, at it differently? Can you say perhaps there's room for you to grow in this role? Perhaps
0: there's like places for you to improve on? Um. Yeah, for sure. Um, It did definitely point out the things that I felt like I needed to uh, work on. That's good. Um, I mean you are absolutely right I have not entered into the role yet it's not as if they gave me a full detailed description of every single thing I have to do for the role and therefore I'm these are all just based off of my assumptions yeah but another way of looking at it is just it's an opportunity for me to study again on what the things that are important to any marketing role regardless of whether it's in this company or anywhere else yeah um yeah another way of looking at it is like bouncing back to what i mentioned a while ago just they wouldn't have hired me if they thought i wouldn't be good enough for the role right yeah um and i think another way of seeing this is that um right like i my therapist mentioned it really well where she said they can't they don't really necessarily expect you to be able to deliver the exact same thing from your previous company into the current company just because the industry is different yep. um the people are different investments are in different are very different goals are different and so um i think it was just me fearing that the expectation that i was uh, assuming that they had and whether or not i could be able to transfer that exact same success into this next company or industry that i have very little um experience in so even though marketing itself is a transferable skill right Mm. if the industry is very different then you have to start from scratch and so that was the fear there and i guess it's just another way of looking at that is just um people may not be expecting perfection from you like right like why are you expecting it from yourself when you haven't even had that conversation yet with your boss true is, that's very true yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess the yeah. last thing on ants is um, what advice would I give to a friend who had this thought so mm. you know what advice would you give to a friend in a similar situation can you give that yeah. same advice to yourself so I guess the whole idea with an ant is, is like uh, it's a mindfulness practice it's recognizing a negative thought not letting it bring you down but logically going through it is it true yeah. is it helpful can i reframe it and if i was giving advice to someone else like remove yourself from it and go yeah how can i what solutions can i come up with someone else and then apply that to yeah. yourself so um yeah. i think that has a lot to do with um imposter syndrome like um yeah you it's it's all about the how it's your outlook how you look at things um Mm. and if if you're looking at a situation poorly then it's going to bring your mood down which means that imposter syndrome is going to it's going to feed on that and it's those thoughts are going to get worse and then um yeah it's just it's it's just going to bring you down and then yeah not gonna be good (laughs) so um yeah yeah did you
0: did you have any tips I guess for imposter syndrome Yes, I do. Um, so a lot of the, the tips that I had were very clearly expressed in um, a blog posted by HubSpot, some of them. And so I will link the full article in the show notes. But the ones that I wanted to speak a little bit more about uh, that were listed in the article were are the following. So number one for me would be to distinguish between humility and fear. And what that means is just um, underneath imposter syndrome is an, is kind of a feeling of unworthiness. And I feel like this is also kind of rooted from the lack of self-love and mm-hmm. appreciation. And so uh, a lot of women is, in particular especially uh, are kind of trained to not... Toot their own horns, right? Mm. To be humble. Yeah. I mean, not limited to women, of course, but it's just. Um, and because of this habit, right? We tend to not think too highly of ourselves, especially when it comes to uh, things that we're not necessarily the most confident about. Mm. But. You know, humility and worthiness, according to HubSpot, it has nothing to do with defending our territory and um, what are what we're able to do, right? So, and if it's your job, if it's something that you've done for a long time, if it's something that you have experiencing experience in, there's no need to kind of mask that, and um, be afraid of saying that you know that it's it's for example you mentioned a while ago to me um before we had this conversation on the podcast emily that you're not afraid to mention that this is something you have no experience in but you will probably be able to figure it out yeah so just make sure that like uh even if you don't know how to do it it's not the end of the world if you don't have experience in it as long as you can follow up with, um. Like a, a promise to look it up, yeah, right. Like how, how What's your perspective on that? Um.
1: Yeah, I mean, like anything, not everyone's gonna know everything. So, you know, there are especially in the uh, with marketing with creative stuff, like the the goal is shifting so often that. You may not know about it now, but in a couple of weeks time, you may know all about it because suddenly the business has pivoted that way or whatever. So um, I guess it's just knowing your skill level and feeling confident in your skills and be able to sort of pick up things. For example, I take on jobs where I'm like, I've never done this before, but I know all the software I need to use. I know how to make it. Yeah. I just need to do yeah. it. I just, I just haven't done it before. I haven't come across it. So yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I know I have the creative skills to be able to do it, so I say yes to it. Um, but like you said, I always say, I haven't done this before, but I can probably give it a go. And it's just sort of sets the expectation of, like, may not be the most brilliant thing you've ever seen. It may not be the quickest <laughs> you've ever yeah. gotten it, but it will get to you. Um, yeah. And I guess it kind of sets a little bit of a barrier against you being like oh absolutely i can totally do that and then not delivering
0: <laughs> yeah right that's honestly like, is the um, best policy in my mind yeah i have a question yes. like on that note how come you're not afraid of letting other people know that you're incapable of doing a particular thing like i feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with like um i don't know if it's a question of humility but just trying to project a certain image that you are capable in fear of being rejected if you are anything less like how are you mm. able to just clearly express that this is something that you aren't uh experienced in but you are willing to just try like, i mean i know it sets the barrier but how are you uh how come you're not afraid of um just admitting that it's not something that you're familiar with
1: i don't know i can I wonder if it comes down to the ability... Like, I can do so many things in the design mm-hmm. sphere. Like, mm-hmm. I can make websites, I can do print stuff, drawing or illustration, 3D, recently, video, photo. I can do it all. Um, so I guess just adding one more thing is like, yeah. But I guess I just know my limitations. Like, anytime I've gone into an interview, I've, um, I've always said... I can do pretty much anything creative, but when it comes to coding, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Mm. I don't, I'm not good at it. I will never be good at it. <laughs> I've tried. Mm. I'm just setting the expectation. It's not something I I can get my head around. Um, but because I have so much else to offer, I don't feel so bad saying those things. Mm. So I think it comes oh, from, I, love that. I think it's from confidence and knowing what I'm good at and Confidence in knowing what I'm bad at, <laughs> or or more sort of just knowing great. the limitations of of I guess yeah. what I'm capable of.
0: Yeah, and I think that's I I think you you made a really good point there. It's just being aware of both sides because I yeah. feel like a lot of people with imposter syndrome tend to magnify the their awareness of what of what they're not good at yeah. and uh, minimizing or not even acknowledging the things that they're good at. Yeah. So I think that's a great uh, tip there is to acknowledge both, right? Yeah. And to never forget that the things that you are good at are what definitely got you to where you are now. Exactly.
1: Like I think if you, in terms of jobs, like if you get an interview, you've already proven on paper. Like most people say that, you know, once you've got an interview, you've proven on paper that you've got the skills. You know, they've looked Mm -hmm. at your portfolio, whatever it is that you do. They can see you've got the skills. What they want to know is, do you fit in to this company as an individual? Do you fit our personality? Do we like talking to you? Do you dress well? You know, are you coming in slacks? (laughs) Like, they just want to know (laughs) that the person that's on paper is actually the person sitting in front of them. So, it's... You've got the skills to get the job. It's just about... um, well, I hate to say it, it's about your personality, but it's it's about how you fit into the into the company.
0: Company culture. Company
1: culture, yeah.
0: Like if you're yeah, rigid and very, not and not Yeah.
1: Like they're free flow and you're rigid isn't even gonna work, you know.
0: I think that's a very valid point. And I feel like so this is this is a different topic that I feel like we could uh, do well to talk about as well. But you know, sometimes like Uh, interviews are also a good uh, moment for you to understand each other, right? It's like a date almost. It's gonna go both ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If the company culture is way too fast-paced for someone like you who's a little bit more chill, then obviously it's not a good fit. Mm. But yeah, the fact that you got there... Uh, means that you are good enough is something that I suppose a lot of us, especially those who are maybe like me, who will be starting a new role, have to remind ourselves. Um, Humility is great, (laughs) but let's also not forget about all of the good things that we've worked so hard for. It's not luck. We've worked hard to get here is something I suppose I should also remind myself. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Another tip, and I agree with this wholeheartedly and i am working through it in therapy as well is letting go of my inner or your inner perfectionist yeah and what this means is just you know per, uh it was mentioned a while ago right in the signs of having or suffering from imposter syndrome is just um the fear of uh, failure and not being able to uh hold yourself to your incredibly high Sometimes, a possibly high standards can be to your detriment, and you know, perfect uh, perfection doesn't exist, yep. and it's very, it's either impossible or unrealistic. And so, um, a good way to just deal with this and overcoming perfectionism is to compare yourself to yourself. So your new self to your older self. So you, and this is linked to the other tip that HubSpot has, is to track and measure your success. So just so you know that, okay, I've done this much in in said project. So how can we do a little bit better from this? Hmm. And then a little bit better. So small steps toward a better outcome versus an unachievable unachievable, um, goal that seeks for perfection. Yep. Um, so definitely the, the, the previous one is better to just keep working on it and keep getting better at it so that you don't feel like a fraud. <laughs> yeah. So basically uh, perfectionism will only make you feel more like a fraud and will only be counterproductive. So yes. just, just do what is good enough and yeah. good enough would be good enough for your organization and even for your boss and actually in a lot of startups and in my in my previous company as well where um i worked as a director right in media since speed was the primary um speed and quality of course but speed overalls especially in media is the most important thing since speed was the primary value that we were upholding um we 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 rarely went for 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 perfection and we would often go for good enough yeah. which something uh it's something that i often struggled with because i'm a f- perfectionist yeah. and yeah and so these are things that i uh i feel like definitely aggravated uh the imposter syndrome but yeah, yeah just letting that go will definitely help according to my therapist in hubspot did you <laughs>
1: so, did you ever come across the saying done is better than perfect
0: Ooh. yeah i have not oh, i'm of surprised this, I
1: um i had a coach at one point that was helping me through marketing stuff and she because content creation and facebook and social media is uh, like you said it's a fast-paced um media form um mm. done is better than perfect is is the best motto i guess because you you need to be seen and realistically you get seen maybe i don't know by a small percentage of your followers or whatever it is so getting it out there is more important than having the perfect piece because that perfect piece lit like it's most people probably won't read the caption or whatever it is so they'll see it for a second and then it's done Mm. but that one second puts them on their on you on their brain for just that one second to remind them that you still exist. So getting mm. things out quickly, getting things out in general is really good. So done is better than perfect. Right, and it's one of the it's one of the things that I've taken into qualify with um with the events stuff because we need to put social media stuff out. We need to do it as you know as often as possible to keep um to keep us on everyone's brains. So yeah. I often go with the done is better than perfect, and I may look at some of the stuff and go not quite good <laughs> it's not yeah. quite what yeah. i wanted but yeah. because i have such incredibly i'm the same as you i have such incredibly high standards for myself that my 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 good is everyone else and mm. is great so oh i always i always think to myself i have such high standards from what i expect that yeah what i think is perfect and absolute is like 150 percent. but my good is everyone's 100 percent. so i always think of it that way it's like it's good enough for me. Then it's great for everyone else. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Unless least someone else has like way higher standards than I do. Then it's like, sorry, I'm you, not, not today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I love that actually when you mentioned that like you're good enough or you're <sighs> done for other yeah. people is actually um, 150% I love that concept because I feel like that ties into the next tip which is to be kind to yourself yeah because sometimes you know when you're a perfectionist and you're always um, aiming for a very very high goal yeah um, sometimes you never really acknowledge how good something that you've produced already is yes even at 80% 70% And for you It's 80% 70% But you never know That for someone else Who has never done this before Let's For example Or someone who has Who is less Of an expert in the field Will see it as You know Um Like Twice or thrice More Than what they Even expected Out of you So Yeah so just being kind To yourself Is one Of the The tips That I really like Yeah And um, something that a lot of people struggle with is attributing, and I mentioned this a while ago, uh, and Hub- HubSpot also mentions it, but a lot of people attribute their success to just luck, mm. but yeah. rarely acknowledge the steps that they took to get to this point. Yeah, And so oftentimes we need to take a moment to see what got us to this point and to acknowledge all of the good things that um brought us this level of success and to just accept it exactly because you are worthy you did work hard for this and you know i'm here and so just be kinder to yourself right yourself right be kinder to yourself (laughs) oh no don't talk to me kidding (laughs) (laughs) kidding (laughs) I love you Um, but yep apparently psychologists have found that repeating affirmations like this can improve stress and anxiety so Hmm. it'll not only help with your stress and anxiety but it also kind of um, help you with your imposter syndrome if you have it yeah and um, the last tip is to just talk talk about it with a friend Mm -hmm. or if you are comfortable enough with your mentor or manager or even your therapist because you would and um okay so let's uh categorize categorize these into two so one would be personal relationships right your therapist or your friend um then i think they'd be able to point out all of your good qualities Mm -hmm. regardless of whether they have an idea of what's going on in your workplace Mm -hmm. and even just that will give you enough confidence to be able to be, perhaps be able to face um, the imposter syndrome that you are dealing with right hmm. and uh, on the work end talking with your mentor or manager right because you know you never know that because you, you, you we can't really assume what they're expecting from us right yeah. so and we they can't assume what we are are able to do and what our capacity uh is made of right or how far w- we can go and so having that conversation is actually very important so that you can have a meeting of the minds as well right because yeah. you never know maybe what they're expecting for you is actually uh something you can do and more yeah and you know also expressing like a while ago what emily mentioned during the uh first tip is to express right like okay, look, I don't have much experience here, but I know that I have a lot of experience in this other aspect that can definitely help with this one. Yeah. And even if I don't know how to do this yet, I'm going to search it. I'm going to look it up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study and then I'm going to bring this to you. Yeah. And just that meeting of the minds is going to help so much with uh, setting expectations so that you do get goals that you can actually achieve, right? So if your company doesn't have goal setting in their system, uh, having regular communication or conversations with your um your boss will definitely help with this is uh, a common tip that a lot of people discuss uh it's harder for people who are afraid of confrontation uh that includes me and me <laughs> yeah so it's easier said than done yeah, it is <laughs> um hopefully you have uh like a the company a company structure which helps you Um, have an avenue to discuss your goals Uh, but if not then we can work through this together friends (laughs) (laughs) we can do it (laughs) yeah so that's it and then sorry there's one last one that I would like to end with but just say yes to new opportunities so I will circle back to the statistic that we found a while ago that women tend to underestimate themselves, no. right? And so my, this advice is I want to emphasize uh, a little bit more for women, but also for the men who doubt themselves a lot is even if you don't feel like you are good enough for a particular role and they are offering you something like an, an amazing opportunity, then just say yes, even if you're not sure you can do it. And then you can learn how to do it later. Yeah. Right? So, of course, don't lie about what you can do and what you can't <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, don't stress
1: yourself but, out with something that's ridiculous. But...
0: Yeah, but if you know that, if you were open about, okay, this is what I've done, this is what I can do, this is what I haven't done, and then they offer you an, ama- an amazing opportunity regardless, just say yes. Yeah. And then, you know, you never know. Uh, It may be something that you can be... S- Uh, So good at Because a lot of people Have um, Jumped into A lot of entrepreneurs Successful people Have jumped into Fields that they had Zero experience in And they just Grew from there Right Like um Like some of the best authors, for example, like if I'm not mistaken, J.K. Rowling or Rowling. What's the what's the correct pronunciation here? Uh, Potter fans, don't (laughs) don't attack me. Rowling. I think Rowling is how I heard Emma Watson mention her name in the. Yeah. So J.K. Rowling um, did not used to be a writer. Right. Like she had a different job um, before she got into writing Harry Potter and before she found a huge success and i mean there are plenty of anecdotes here right yeah. so even some of the biggest entrepreneurs uh, learned just by um starting right yeah. and learning along the way so uh if you if they can do it why can't you exactly. and i'm sure you can so yeah so there um just take it friends and we will figure it out together <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um we hope all of these help um but, oh yeah so sorry there's another one that i remembered emily had a personal tip for let's go oh. with that one what what was it
1: well mine was just as simple just look back and recognize your own achievements stop doubting yourself oh yeah it's easy
0: yeah easy
1: as that go back write a list of all the things you're great at and then remind yourself that it's just a little negative thought that you can disprove because you're amazing yes I
0: love that. Perfect way to end the episode. Thank you so much, Emily, and thank you everyone for for getting as far as uh, the end of the hour again. (laughs) Hopefully, uh, everyone will succeed in any endeavor that they choose to go into. And if you ever doubt yourself, go through the notes that we've um, given you, and hopefully these help with. getting some level of success however you define success for yourself. Nice. So yay! Anyway, we hope you'll have a great week ahead and thank you so much. See you again next time. Bye! Goodbye!